Welcome in, everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. We're here. We've made it. Week number one is officially upon us. We've only got a few days until the ball is on the tee and the 2020 season gets underway. Can't wait for it to start now. We're all pumped and excited after what's been a tremendously long off-season. And let's get into it, boys. The regular Monday NFL edition of the pod. The regular three-man huddle for the season is together in terms of myself, Tim and Lawrence. I'm delighted that we are joined this week by one of our fabulous writers over at the NFL side of things for the full 10 yards in Alex. Alex, welcome into the pod, mate. How are you this evening? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. It's been a while, but I'm, I'm glad to be back. Absolutely, mate. Always a pleasure to have your company. Look forward to all the stuff that we're going to produce over the course of the year. And boys, the regular crew. Lawrence, how are you doing, my friend? Fantastic. I'm feeling a little bit like Ryan Fitzpatrick is at the moment. He's just been announced as the starter for week one. And incredibly, if he passes for about 3,000 yards this season, he's going to pass Steve Young, Tony Romo, and Jim Kelly in the all-time passing charts. And he needs just 57 yards to pass Troy Aikman. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, Tim. Well, Tim, there you go. That's a nice introduction for you, mate. What do you think of that? Fitz magic better than Aikman and Tony Romo. Are you having that one, mate? Oh, I mean, that was quite welcoming to the podcast, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that warrants a response, does it? I mean, you know, especially when uh, you're looking at the quarterback situation in your team, uh, Lawrence. Oh, dear, it's getting catty already. We haven't even started. Let's move on, boys. <laughs> Let's move on. We'll start, actually, with a the quarterback then, fellas. And another one that is, um, again, on the move, found yet another new home, Josh Rosen, obviously, much talked about a few years ago coming out of the draft. Um, it was obviously a... Well, it was viewed as a very good quarterback class, wasn't it? It had, obviously, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, amongst others. Um, And, obviously, Rosen ended up going 10th overall at the time to the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, didn't work out there. Went to Miami last year, and he has been cut this week. But he's landed at Tampa Bay. Now, obviously, I don't think any of us think he's going to be pushing for the start after a certain free agency signing. Well, Alex, my question to you is, does that actually mean this is an ideal scenario for Josh Rosen? He can sit and learn behind, you know, arguably the greatest to ever play the game. Um, And obviously, you know, if he can't learn and and get it right, learning behind Tom Brady, he never will. Or is this essentially the end of Josh Rosen? He'll sit there for a couple of years and he'll just fade into the background and we'll never actually see him really do anything in an NFL jersey. Uh, I actually think this is about as good as a situation as he could have possibly hoped to have landed in um, after he was cut. I think there's kind of two parts to this. And one of those is what you were talking about, uh, learning behind Brady. And I believe Blaine Gabbert's there as well, which a little bit of extra experience, something that he might pick up from there, here and there. But I think in general, you've got Bruce Arians there, which everyone knows is he's good with his QB. So, so that's a good head coach to have. But also, I think if you look back at his draft class, compared to what we thought they were coming out, None of them really, apart from Mar Jackson, have properly stamped themselves either. There's, there's questions about all of them. Um, Josh Allen, great arm, but can he be consistent enough? Baker Mayfield, 
great year and then not so great year, etc. So I think in that regard, he's got a bit more time as well because I think they all are clearly needing to be developed. So, so hopefully this is the situation where he can go and make that jump now. Yeah, it's, you have to feel for the guy, really, don't you? I mean, the two situations that he's found himself in, obviously on a Cardinals team, um, you know, that, that certainly hadn't got the firepower that it's, it's got all of a sudden two years later, a defence that, you know, didn't really help the offence out at all. Obviously, the trade to Miami and, the, you know, there was a bit of a fire sale there last year. Lawrence has already talked about Fitzmagic and, you know, he, he did what he did last year. You know, he had a, one of his better seasons. Um, you know, so he, he's found himself in two really awkward situations, hasn't he? So, fingers crossed, it, it does work out for him. Let's have a look at some other roster cuts then. And Tim, come to you. Let's talk about your Dallas Cowboys. We've talked seemingly forever that they've needed help at the safety position. Obviously, one that they picked up earlier in the year. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. Um, he's been he's been around a few teams now, hasn't he? But obviously, originally drafted by the Packers. Um, probably one of the more surprising cuts of the weekend, certainly from the outside looking in. But as a Cowboys fan, what was your view of it? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like our, our safety position um, is, not, is not a laughing matter, um, considering yeah, the depth there. I know a lot of people quickly pointed to the, oh, L. Thomas is coming. L. Thomas is coming. We got rid of Haha Clint Dix, but um, I, I don't see that manifesting itself or, or you know, any trades or anything like that uh, facilitating for for L. Thomas. So. Um, yeah, yeah. The only thing I can think of is that he, you know, he didn't have a great camp. There's, there wasn't a lot of reports about him doing putting up any trees, um, and the you know the depth behind him. I think and Donovan Wilson, uh, Darian Thompson, Xavier Woods are, the, are kind of the guys back there at the moment. Um, not many people outside of Cowboys will know who who the hell they are, but um, they, they they're, they're young. Um, but they, they've been they, they must be progressing well enough to, for Mike Nolan and the defensive coaching staff to to say we're gonna we're gonna roll with these guys because uh, again even even at the cornerback position you know we haven't got a lot of experience and um, you know we don't have the luxury of having people at the back like um, like Jeff Heath like we've had for eight for, for years and uh, like I say we, we we got rid of Byron Jones as well so it's, you know, they're gonna it's gonna be a baptism of fire come come week one uh, against the Rams who have a decent offense and uh, a lot of a lot of weapons in the wide receiver and the, and the tight end uh, position so they they're gonna they're gonna be hitting the ground running uh, it just remains to be seen whether they whether they'll sink or swim but you know we, I'm not expecting a, a uh, you know, a stellar the Dallas defense it never, never, never has been. Um, but I think you'll find it'd be one that's more opportunistic. So maybe, uh, you know, Mike Nolan and the guys thinks that they're they're the guys to to be able to, um, you know, effectively do that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see in terms of Dix himself where he actually does end up. I mean, he's obviously got you know five years of starting experience now, hasn't he? He's, like I say, he's bounced around a bit, but he's ended up starting pretty much everywhere he's been. He's got 90 professional games under his belt. A lot of teams crying out for help in the, in the secondary. Uh, and obviously, as the season starts and injuries pick up and all of that type of thing, I'm sure he will you know very quickly find himself at home if he's not actually on a roster ahead of opening kickoff on Thursday night. Uh, Lawrence, let's come to you, mate. Let's have a look at your team as well. The Washington football team, obviously. Um, one of, the, again, the bigger names, um, Adrian Peterson. Bit of a surprise, really, you know, as much as anything, considering the, the lack of depth on the on the chart behind him. Um, he's obviously on the back nine of his career. There's no doubt about that. But I think many of us thought that he'd still, you know, do an admirable job this year. So that was a bit of a surprising cup, mate, do you think? Not too much, not too much. I think and if you are a Washington fan, you know that there is there is some depth in the Redskins backfield. It's just experience 
there is very 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 limited experience but there is depth so with ap gone i think they the the washington team wanted to do the decent thing and hope that he would latch on to another team before week 1 and that was absolutely what happened the lions have picked him up ap needs just over a thousand yards to actually pass barry sanders and reach the number 4 all-time rusher he ran for over 1,500 yards against the Lions in his career, and he's ran for 11 touchdowns, including three that were over 60 yards. So I think the Lions are going to be pretty happy that he's suiting up in a silver helmet. As for the, the Washington backfield, we've got rookie Antonio Gibson, who's a bit of a Swiss Army knife receiver, running back. I know you can put him anywhere and everywhere, but he's, he seems to be focused in on that, that kind of running back position. Bryce Love, who was an absolute monster in college, who's been injured um, in the pros, he gets a big chance. J.D. McKissick is a kind of pass-catching back. And then you've got Peyton Barber. He's a bit of a plodder, but he's, he's made the, the final 53. My bigger concerns are the offensive line and the tight end position. The whole sort of Trent Williams saga finally played out and he's gone and made the the 49ers who are very rich at the moment in terms of talent even richer and he'll he'll kind of plug in for Joe Staley but with, with Washington's tight ends we've got Logan Thomas and Jeremy Sprinkle they're just they're not household names at all so I'm a little bit nervous but the the, the backfield I'm quite excited for we've got some young guys who, who will be very, very hungry to prove themselves. And I think letting AP go, it's, it's part of that whole kind of Washington new era, new name, new president, new head of media, new, new everything, that I think it's, it's the right move. It's the right move. Judy Donaldson, if you're listening, we still want that interview. Tim, you wanted to come in and say something, mate? Yeah, I mean, Lawrence, I mean, you set yourself up for a Peyton Barber making, make, making the roster. You said Peyton Barber made the cut. Dearly, mate. You, oh, dear. I, I apologise. That, that, is, that is already, I'm 1-0 I'm, I'm down on the puns there. I, yeah, I'll give you that. Full credit for that. And um, just, just the other thing, obviously, about the, the Washington team in terms of making that final 53... Alex Smith, quarterback, absolutely incredible comeback story. And with all, all the, that I've read, I haven't actually seen the, the documentary that ESPN did. I'm, I'm desperate to see that at some point that he did um, with Stefania Bell, who's the sort of injury specialist from ESPN. So I'd, I'd love to see that. But I think he's going to be suiting up by, by Halloween. Um, but I really, really hope that it's not a nightmare return because it was very spooky what happened to him two years ago when he got injured. Him and Joe Theismann both went down on November the 18th. But this is where it gets absolutely weird. Their injuries both occurred on the 39-yard line. The final score in both games was 23-21. The injury that caused the the breakage, which is both of their right tibias and fibulas, was caused by a three times defensive player of the year, Lawrence Taylor and JJ Watt. And on both occasions, the reason why those pass rushers got to the quarterback is that the regular Pro Bowl left tackle for the team was out injured on that play. Unbelievable. <laughs> 
There you go, folks. There you go. Mr. Retro coming up with the goods yet again. Like you say, a strange turn of events. It will be absolutely brilliant to see Alex Smith back on a football field, if indeed it does happen. Um, you know, the, the fact that he's even walking again is a bit of a minor miracle, considering the state of that leg in some of the still photos that I've seen from that documentary that you mentioned. Um, so, yeah, good luck to Alex Smith. Obviously, good luck to Dwayne Haskins. Let's hope he can take a big step forward after you know, gaining some experience during his rookie year. Obviously, a lot of questions to be answered there, but um, you know he's not obviously got the greatest of supporting casts around him to start off his career, so a tough situation. But fingers crossed he takes a leap in year two. Um, let's go to another team with a, a bit of a surprising cut. Todd Davis, it's not going to be a regular household name, but the starting middle linebacker for the Denver Broncos racked up 134 tackles last year, and he's been a steady performer for the Broncos since they signed him from the New Orleans Saints. He's probably a bit of a victim of cap numbers, to be honest. The, the Broncos actually save four and a half million by making that cut. There are a few teams that are certainly looking for help at the middle linebacker position. I can certainly think of one in the AFC North for sure. Um, he would instantly become the Browns' best linebacker if he signed on the dotted line. So we'll wait and see if they're in play there. Other linebacker that has been moved on is Shaquem Griffin. Obviously a great news story when he entered the league and joined his brother in Seattle. Um, but he essentially just a victim of a numbers game. Obviously Seattle built predominantly around a defence. So no more Shaquem Griffin in this season. Um, Lawrence, you want to come in, mate? It's Yeah, it was sad, but he has been signed to the Seahawks practice squad. So that's good news. He's still with the team which is great. A bit like um, a couple of very high-profile um, draft picks, Dion Jordan and Kevin White for the 49ers. Both former first-round picks, a lot of hype surrounding them, both pretty much busts in the NFL. They both got cut, but they've, they're straight away back on the 49ers practice squad. So, you know, you've got you to gotta look out for those people that are getting re-put back on the practice squad. So, um, you know, I hope Shaquem Griffin does get an opportunity to to actually get onto the the 53-man roster by the end of this season. Yeah, fingers crossed. You mentioned there, mate, practice squad. There's obviously a change this year um, to help the league sort of try and get through the season with the pandemic in, obviously, um, you know, the current situation. Um, 16 men on a practice squad. Um, there are no requirements for a number of them in terms of any experience. So there's hope for us all yet, boys. Massive shout-out to Josh McCown, 41 years old and on a practice squad. $12,000 just to sit at home and wait on the phone just in case the Eagles have a problem at quarterback. And we all know the Eagles often have a problem at quarterback. Can Carson Wentz actually stay healthy? So, yeah, good on you, Josh McCown. His NFL career continues for yet another season. Um, anything else grab anybody's attention during the roster cuts? The only one that grabbed me was the Patriots are obviously going full Cam Newton and not employing a kicker at all. I'm sure that will obviously sort itself out by the time we get to the weekend. But as it stands today, there isn't actually a kicker on the Pats roster. Lawrence, anything else grab your attention? Yeah, one, one of them was the Pats. Obviously, because they've signed Cam Newton, they, they ditched Mohamed Sanu, the veteran receiver. 6.5 million cap saving there. Um, talking about kickers, the, the Colts ditched Chase McLaughlin and signed, Sean, are already our initial nomination for name of the season, the, the legendary Rodrigo Blankenship. 
So I'm looking forward to us talking about Blankenship and, and all the puns that go with it throughout this season. So I'm ready to board the good ship Blankenship. It's going to take some beating that name, mate. And as we found out on yesterday's pod, obviously a kicker once upon a time was the league MVP. Maybe Rodrigo can uh, add his name to that list. We shall wait and see. Uh, the biggest news then, fellas, probably over the weekend wasn't actually to do with roster cuts. It was actually to do with one of the longest drawn-out free agency periods I can remember for Jadevian Clowney. Uh, he's obviously been on the market all throughout the off-season, and, you know, eventually on the eve of the season, he has found himself a home and he, that home is in Tennessee. Um, last, um, well, last uh, 24 hours, uh, sorry, last 24 hours, last um, few hours were interesting, apparently. I'll get into that shortly in terms of how the trade actually allegedly did go down. Um, but Alex, I'll come to you on this one and ask you this question first. Obviously, the AFC South, I think we're all expecting to be one of the tightest and most competitive divisions in all of football. Does signing Clowney give the Titans the edge in the division? Um, you know, bear in mind, they actually, um, you know, obviously went the furthest of any of the AFC South teams in the playoffs last year as well. Uh, yeah, I think, he, I think he makes quite a big difference, actually. I mean, this is already, um, this was a kind of average defence last year. 22nd against the pass, 11th against the run, I believe, last year. Um, so obviously there's some there's some serious ability already there. Jeffrey Simmons, Howard Landry, um, and you know although the sack numbers specifically haven't been great for Clowney over the last few years, what he does do is just eat up those double teams. Uh, he requires so much attention um, that with some of the names that they've already got there, we've um, got Kevin Byard on the on the backside, and you've got Rashad Evans and Joel Casey and all these great names out there that he could potentially eat up so much attention. Um, that it could really open things up for the for the rest of the team to to go and do what they do best. I mean, in that division, really, it's kind of a three horse race already. They've got the Jags in there, so we'll just pretend they don't exist. Um, Clowney, I'm sure, is going to be far more focused on the Texans. Um, and in terms of knowing somebody who now clearly knows the Texans um, under Bill O'Brien, I mean, he's been there. He he he's seen some of the behind the scenes stuff there, so he might be some good uh, some good background knowledge as well when they come to play the Texans each each time. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's always uh, good to, to get any upper hand that you can. But Tim, he's waited all off-season, um, you know, reading between the lines, not necessarily had tons of suitors for him. I think he was, you know, probably pricing himself out of a lot of people's markets, to be fair. Uh, do you actually think he's found himself a good fit in the end? Do you think Tennessee is a good landing spot for him? Um, well, he'll certainly think so for two reasons. One, that he's got fifteen million dollars in, in his in his pocket, and um, he's obviously re, re uh, joining up with with Mike Rabel, who he was with uh, when he was at the Texans. Obviously, he was the defensive coach and the coordinator. Um, so, bed, bedding in and learning probably maybe language of the, of the playbook won't be won't be too hard for him. And obviously, yeah, Clowney had his best season in twenty seventeen with, with with Rabel there. So, uh, nine and a half sacks, twenty one tackles for for a loss, and, and twenty one QB hits. So, I think. I think the surroundings in Tennessee won't be as um, as unknown as maybe as if he joined other teams. Did he price himself out? Yeah, probably. Um, and I, I get the gist of, and I know we've had this conversation previously before. 
I do, I do think that his name precedes him a little bit, obviously being a, a previous uh, first overall pick. Um, so he, he, I don't know whether he's getting the benefit of the doubt for, for every time he signed a, a contract, but I know his, his agent's been doing wonders to get him all the contracts that he's been getting. Um, you do have to consider health. Only started one full season uh, since he's been in the league and he's had a couple of 14, 15 games, but only completing the 16 uh, once. But I think, that, as Alex mentioned, obviously he commands a lot of double teams. And I think with all the other talent on that, on that defence, with you know, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, just to name, name a few. And they've got a decent secondary as well, uh, which helps the pass rush give that just that ounce of time to get home. I, I do think he's, he's, he's going to slot in quite well there because of all the other talent around him. So I do think over, overall, uh, all things considered, it's, it's a pretty good fit for him. Yeah, uh, and you, you just alluded to it there mate and Alex kind of mentioned it you know does his name precede him and you know sack numbers haven't been particularly high um you know he's stellar against the run I don't think there's any denying that but Lawrence as as a number one overall pick you know he's going into what year seven now in the league came in in 2014 um just looking at his career stats here 236 tackles 32 sacks nine forced fumbles really for a number one overall pick dare I say has he been a bit of a bust yeah, I'd say a bit of a bust. Let's let's give it a little bit of context. So since the year 2000, there has been four number one overall defensive players picked. Two by the Texans and two by your lovely Cleveland Browns. So we go back to 2000, Courtney Brown, who had 19 sacks in his NFL career and was a massive, massive bust. Um, then you get Mario Williams who was drafted by the Texans in 2006, who it took him a while. You know, he, he had a slow progression, um, but he kind of, he was slow and steady. He had four Pro Bowls over his um, 11 seasons, 97 and a half sacks for, for Mario Williams, one first team All-Pro in his ninth season. So there's hope yet for Clowney. Um, Clowney, obviously, the number one pick in 2014. And then we had Miles Garrett in 2017, who's so far racked up 30.5 sacks, one Pro Bowl, one all-rookie team, and almost one decapitation. So, you know, not many people can say they've, they've tried to decapitate someone in front of um, a live television audience. Um, Clowney himself three Pro Bowls he's made. So, you know, not too bad in six seasons. So that's one Pro Bowl every other season. Um, as you say, the 32 sacks and, and the nine forced fumbles in 75 games is, is pretty mediocre. If you, if you compare this to Mario Williams, the other guy who was the first overall pick by the Texans, Mario, Super Mario, had 53 sacks and 11 forced fumbles after six seasons. But what Super Mario didn't do was make the playoffs until his 11th season. And that was when he was with the Dolphins. And he went out. It was 0-1 career for playoffs. Clowney's already appeared in five playoff games. 2016, they went out to the eventual Super Bowl winning Patriots. 2018, they were badly beaten by the Colts, who ran for over 200 yards against them. And then in 2019... With the Seahawks, he, he won a game and then lost a game. Had 12 tackles in last season's postseason. Um, but in that game, in the loss to the Packers, 
he committed three penalties, including a, a rather large face mask penalty. And um, yeah, as, as Tim said, only three sacks in 2019 after he moved to the Seahawks. He's got a, you know, another kind of prove it year. I don't know if you can prove it in year seven, but he's going to be a free agent in 2021. So I say, I say he still has an opportunity to prove himself. And it's a, it's a good, solid Titans team that he's landed on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he certainly does improve that roster. Um, and like you say, I think you know, we pretty much know what we're going to get with him now. He's certainly going to upgrade the run defence. Um, you know, so let's see if he can add a few more highlight reel plays to his CV. Um, just before we move on, fellas, just something that came up last night, and I obviously couldn't get my words out correct earlier, but there was almost some late um, sort of manoeuvring on this trade. It's been reported um, in different sources now that at one point last night, there was a, a unique trade offered, which would have actually seen Jadevian Clowney sign with the Cleveland Browns immediately to be flipped to the New Orleans Saints, who would have sent the Browns a unnamed player and a second-round pick, all essentially to save the Saints some draft ca- uh, some cap space and you know signing bonus, etc., etc. So the Browns, obviously famous a few years ago for essentially paying $16 million to get Brock Osweiler and a second-round pick. We're almost at it again last night, fellas, by the sounds of it. Sort of, you know, a bit of skullduggery. It has since been reported, it's got to be said by Pro Football Talk, that the two teams involved could have actually been the Jacksonville Jaguars signing Clowney and flipping him to the Baltimore Ravens, um, which would have been a terrifying prospect when you already consider the, ter- uh, the, uh, the defensive front of the Ravens. But you know, regardless of the teams, now Alex, I'll come to you on this one. You know, do we actually sort of like this, if you like, in terms of GMs being quite creative, um, you know, essentially it was, you know, held up or, or, you know, the league refused to budge on it because essentially it's really teams trading cash as opposed to trading assets. And essentially that was the big no-no in all of this. Um, so what's your view on it, mate? Do we, do we like the fact that GMs are trying to be creative or does it stink a little bit and actually we want to keep this game fair across the board? Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the attempts that they, they are making. I, you know, they, you've got to save money however you can. Uh, but I, don't think, I just don't think it gives off a very good impression to um, fans of the team. I think if, uh, if it would happen to be my team that were trying to get rid of uh, large swathes of money um, by taking him on um, and then trading him straight away, it doesn't, you know, we know what the Jags are doing, so it kind of makes sense there. I think we've all come to terms now that they're, they're not going to be very competitive this year. But I just don't think that it just doesn't, doesn't go very well in, in my eyes with my team. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's my team, if you like, that were sort of certainly reported last night as being one of the main, uh, you know, players in this as a trade. I mean, congratulations yet again, Cleveland Browns. You end the off-season with the most salary cap in the NFL. I'm sure eventually somebody will tell them you get no bonus points for that and spend the goddamn money, get us some bloody good players. But anyway, let me uh, get off my soapbox before I start. Um, Yeah, interesting dealings. It never happened. So, uh, you know, we will never know how true it was. I'm sure that uh, if the question gets asked in any press conferences, anyone will deny any knowledge of it whatsoever now. And obviously, Clowney will end up on the Titans. Right then, boys, we now know who the 53s are going into the first week of the season at least. 
Uh, we've talked about it often enough. We've previewed it. We've even put a season guide out to back it up. Let's actually get into some predictions. Uh, we could probably talk all night on air, boys, but let's limit it to a couple of different categories. So let's start off. We just talked about defensive players, so let's talk about who is going to lead the league in sacks. And I will start this little round off by coming to Lawrence. I've got a little bit of a surprise here, but I'm going for Nick Bosa. Even though he only had nine sacks as a rookie, I think he's worked it out. I think he's worked out what he needs to do. The 49ers have only got better overall as a roster on both sides of the ball. So that offense is going to keep him fresh. That running game when the 49ers is going to keep that, that defensive line fresh. They've got enough to rotate people around. He's got a big brother who he's going to want to kind of beat. So there's that competitive nature, you know, much like TJ Watt and JJ Watt. They've, they've, there's that kind of sibling rivalry. And I just, I just can't get it out of my head after watching Nick Bosa in the Super Bowl. Yes, it, it all went pear-shaped in the, in the fourth quarter. Well, in the last couple of minutes of the fourth quarter, but I've just got this gut feeling that Nick Bosa is going to have a monster season. And I'll even put it on the line here, 17 sacks to lead the NFL. Very good, mate. I mean, I don't know whether it's too big of a surprise. I think, you know, he certainly was, you know, very, very impressive in his rookie campaign. Like you say, as much as anything, plenty of mouths to feed on that defensive line might be the only thing that does actually sort of limit his numbers because other people are just as adept at getting to the quarterback. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I can certainly see Nick Bosa up there towards the top of the table, so to speak. Um, You know, I actually sort of think that he's... His goal, and obviously the market will reset itself by the time he gets to his second contract, but he'll obviously have that number of Joey in his sights, and obviously he will probably have visions of himself being the highest-paid defender in the NFL at the time he signs his next contract. Uh, Alex, let's come to you, mate. Who's your selection for defensive game wrecker, and who's going to lead the league in sacks? Um, I think this one might be a bit of a surprise, but I'm actually going to Chandler Jones. Um, now, that's someone who who I love. I love how underrated he is consistently. Uh, has just been so good for so long. Um, but it also comes, the Cardinals uh, defence can be so much better this year. Um, in week 13 of last season, they got rid of Tail Suggs and it let Chandler Jones move back to Will Linebacker. And in those last three games, he got five sacks and 15 pressures just in those three games when he was moved back to his proper position. Um, they've now got Isaiah Simmons to cover, cover some of the gaps in that. So I think that whole defence can be so much better and I think as a result uh, Chandler Jones is going to be in his, his prime position and going to be causing his usual havoc yeah absolutely mate. I think I think you actually used the word there I think underrated or underappreciated is what you said and I think you know you can pretty much pin that against Chandler Jones throughout his career he's consistently been up there numbers wise and we know the Cardinals yes there's a lot of hype can they actually put it together on the field but as you say certainly on paper at least an improved unit you'd expect Chandler Jones to be up there thereabouts again this season uh, Tim it's come to you mate where's your uh, selection going Yes, I'm I'm, going to follow in with uh, Lawrence. I actually put down Nick Bosa um, to to improve on his nine sacks from his rookie season. I I agree, Lawrence. I think, um, you know, it's... It helps when you do have other stars on on the team because then, you know, there's other people getting 
um, getting attended to on the, on the line. So that's what you know, it does free up Nick Bosa for, for, for certain things. It'd be interesting to see if he suffers any kind of that kind of sophomore slump type thing. But uh, I, th- I think from the way he played and he, you know, the main thing as well, he, he was able to stay healthy for the uh, for the most part. I, th- I don't think I'd, he was injured for too long, but uh, was obviously a big knock coming into the NFL with, with him. So the, the fact that he played... Um, Played to a high level for for the majority of the season. Uh, yes, he only got nine sacks, but I think second season uh, progression will will see him get easily into the into the double digits. And then the other guy, uh, Lawrence also mentioned as well, TJ Watt. Uh, he had fourteen and a half last year. I think again, it's the two the two players I've gone for are teams that have staunch defenses that are going to go potentially with the run game and kind of defense first. So, uh, but I'll also start study. I mean, I looked at the the the, the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive depth charts today, and I thought, I, you know, it's <laughs> being a non defensive person when you recognize recognize 99% of the names on that depth chart you know it's a star-studded depth chart so uh, I think TJ Watt came obviously came to the fore he's getting a bit of recognition now and I, th- I think he'll, his train will continue to roll on the tracks yeah can't disagree mate um, you know I obviously get the pleasure of seeing TJ rack up at least four to five sacks a year against the Browns he always seems to have a monster game against us um, and yeah absolutely you know he doesn't probably get the same recognition as his brother does over in Houston um, but obviously I think you know it's fair to say that JJ on the back nine whereas TJ probably getting towards the peak if not in the peak of his career so he's certainly going to be up there again more love for Nick Bosa as well I will go with the other Bosa brother and I will go Joey in LA um, I think he's going to want to prove um, that he's worthy of that contract um, and I think that Chargers defensive unit is is again another one that is just loaded across the board obviously a little bit of a disappointment with Derwin James going down you know let's not uh, underestimate how big of an impact that will be um, you know but unfortunately they had to sort of play without him for the vast majority of last year as well um, so I don't think it's anything that's going to phase them particularly um, and I think Joey is going to be good um, you know for a huge number this year I think he and Miles Garrett to be fair just to get the homer selection in there will both be you know trying to live up to the reputation that the contracts that they've just signed means that they will carry in the expectation that will be on their shoulders Miles last year had obviously got 10 sacks through the 10 games before as Lawrence beautifully put it earlier he tried to decapitate Mason Rudolph obviously if he can stay on the field for 16 games I'd expect some big numbers from Miles Garrett as well um, in an improved Browns defensive rotation I think one of the most underrated free agency signings is possibly Adrian Claiborne coming onto that line as a rotational piece he's certainly not going to play every snap far from it but he will keep Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett fresher, um, you know, and actually give Cleveland some depth which they haven't had previously. Let's move on to the offensive side of the ball then, fellas, and let's look at rushing leader. Um, I said last week on the pod, I think we could see the rushing record go in the 2020 season. I think, you know, we've we've talked basically for the last number of years that it's now a passing league and it's a passing game and all the rules are, are really around the pass. But, you know, I actually see a lot more teams now committed to the run game. We saw how effective it was for San Francisco. And I don't care what anybody says, you first and foremost, you build a team around the run game and obviously that opens up your play-action passing and, you, and your space down the field. So, you know, you, you've got to have a decent run game, in my opinion, to really have a chance when it comes to, you know, being a balanced offence and putting the amount of points on the board that you're going to need down the stretch. So, Lawrence, let's come to you again, mate, to start us off. Where are you going in terms of the rushing leader for 2020? I've got another second-year player here. 
Um, Josh Jacobs of the now Las Vegas Raiders. If you look at what he managed to achieve in just 13 games as a rookie, he averaged 88 and a half yards a game, which was actually more than Christian McCaffrey rushed in terms of average yards per game. He got 1,190 yards. Sorry. Oh God, that's, that's, a, that's my next stat. Sorry. Um, if, he, if he hadn't have been injured, he would have actually outrushed Christian McCaffrey and Zeke Elliott as a rookie. So I think big prospects. I think coach Chucky loves a, a workhorse back. He's a bit old school in how he, he kind of runs that offense. He's not going to want to mix it up too much. I think he's seen an absolute kind of gem in Josh Jacobs, a first-round player who absolutely lived up to his billing as a rookie. And I think he'd be, he's only, his only kind of prospects are going up for the next couple of seasons. So I think it's going to be a, a, a tight race. But there you go. There's my, my 50 pence is on Josh Jacobs. Yeah, well, to be fair, mate, 50 pence might actually return you a decent amount there because he's obviously not going to be one of the, the favourites in the betting. I certainly can understand your logic, though. He's a player that I certainly like. And like you say, I think the um, the offence will certainly be probably built around his strengths. Tim, we'll come to you next. I know you want to come in on Josh Jacobs, so I'll let you do that, my friend, and then you can give us your selection for rushing leader as well. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if um, Lawrence has faxed me over his uh, ear sheet because I've gone for Josh Jacobs as well, and it's 16 oh. to 1. So if you, if you want to put 50p on that, Lawrence, that'll return you £8.50. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. Very yeah, yeah, cool, I, very cool. I, I like I like Josh Jacobs this year just from a, from a purely rush, uh, rushing standpoint and um, the YouTube and betting podcast I did with Adam you, we go through the rushing uh, or these rushing uh, and leaders and that kind of stuff as well so you can get you can probably get uh, a full explanation there but I, I think on the ground you've got like where you've got players that are and teams that are committing to the run game you've got the, your workhorses because they get work through the air that kind of is a detriment to their running game so and I think because Josh Jacobs Jacobs isn't what you had 21 receptions last year or something stupid like that and obviously doesn't hinder him when he is running the ball because he's not getting the extra workload so I think people like your McCaffrey's your Barclays your Elliot's because they see stuff through the air that they're you could say that their their ceiling on on the rushing is is slightly hindered so I I went with um, with Josh Jacobs obviously Derek Henry and and Nick Chubb at the the forefront of the betting uh, and rightly so they've obviously battled to the death in week 17 last year uh, before Henry pipped uh, get old Chubb but uh, the other one as well as as a as a dark horse a way left field pick I've gone Todd Gurley at 33s if if you're betting on that but uh, I think for someone who was an MVP candidate a couple of years ago yes he has any issues and it's kind of um, a catch 22 the more carries you give him the more chance he has of injuring those knees but considering that backfield and the depth behind him I don't see where there's many carries being siphoned away from him I think that they are happy to go with with Todd Gurley on, on you know 100% so I can see him getting a lot of carries on an offense that is is always going to pop up a lot of yards, uh, albeit in the last couple of years through the air because their defense has been quite bad. I don't think it's that bad as bad this year as it has been in previous years. So I can see maybe a bit more uh, in the running game. So Todd Gurley was my outsider, but Josh Jacobs, I, I also like. Excellent, mate. Uh, Alex, let's hope you haven't gone Josh Jacobs as well. Have you got a different name for me, mate? Um, well, whatever the opposite of a dark horse is, I've gone for that because I've actually gone with Derek Henry. Um, <laughs> It seems a bit of a cop-out to go with him, but uh, the way he just fits into the scheme that they runs, that zone scheme, 
his improvement first in 2018 under Abel and then it's 2019. Uh, it's just exponential. So he's, he's clearly making strides in that. And just, I love his, I love how he plays. I love the physicality of it all. He's got those, you know, the, his, the measurables on his arm length are, are ridiculous for the position he plays. And when he runs off the left-hand side, when, he, when he's an outside runner and he can use those stiff arms, there's just, no, there's just no touching him. I think in 2018, he averaged 9.97 yards per carry off the left, left edge of the line over the year. So that's nearly a first down every time he ran it across the, the left tackle. So um, he's, he's got the ability and then they've got the team to, to produce that. So, so I think Dirk Henry this year. Yeah, I think, like you say, mate, it's certainly, again, an offence that's built around that run game, isn't it? And like you say, he, he is the absolute definition of a workhorse. I think I'm right in saying there might actually only be two running backs on that Tennessee roster um, in terms of Henry and um, the rookie, who someone will remind me of his name. Darrington Evans. Darrington Evans, there we go. Thank you very much, boys. And then could rely on you. Um, I'm going to take the homer pick then, fellas, and I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. Um, I will absolutely, as Lawrence did, and, and he stuck his flag in for 17 sacks for Nick Bosa. I'm going Nick Chubb breaks the NFL rushing record this year. Massive, massive season for me coming up. Um, I just think he, he's fabulous. I really do. I get the pleasure of watching him week in and week out. I think his skill set in terms of the offence that Kevin Stefanski is going to bring the improvement or the expected improvement at the tackle position in terms of Jack Conklin, who was obviously blocking for said Derrick Henry last year, um, along with rookie Jedrick Wills. Um, obviously, Stefanski is known for loving tight ends. We've actually kept five on the 53. Um, so we expect a lot of two tight end sets. So there'll be a lot of heavy packages and a lot of um, you know wide zone runs, which Chubb absolutely thrives in. He's got a surprising turn of pace when he gets in the open field um, there's not many that are going to catch him I know that the big drawback that everybody will jump up and down and tell me is yeah but Kareem Hunt's there Kareem Hunt's there he's going to eat into his workload well I would imagine Kareem Hunt will spend an awful lot of time in the slots um, you know that's the news coming out of camp you know Kareem Hunt's been lined up all over the field and you know similar to what Tim said earlier Kareem Hunt may well get involved in a lot more of the passing game out of the backfield I just think in terms of carries though I, I see Chubb probably taking 65 to 70% of the carries in comparison to what uh, Kareem Hunt will get. That was kind of the distribution last year. I don't really see that changing, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and like I said, I think the Browns have got plans to use Kareem Hunt in multiple different ways. So Nick Chubb for me. Um, and like I say, I actually will go one further. And I you know, mentioned it last week on the pod. I think the rushing record will go. I'm going Nick Chubb for the rushing record. Absolutely, Lawrence looks absolutely disgusted with that. I'm, 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 I'm ready to put my first sandwich bet that Nick Chubb doesn't even reach 1,800 yards rushing. I'm willing to put it live here on the podcast. 1,800. That, that, that to me suggests you, that to me suggests you're scared. 1,800. You've set yourself a pretty, a pretty low ceiling there, mate. It's got to be said. I was going to say I'll, 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 I'll outbid you. I'll go under 1,500. 
Well, I'll definitely take your sandwich bet then, Tim. There you go. That gives me a 300-yard buffer on Lawrence. So there we go. That's the first sandwich bet of the season. Me versus Tim. Nick Chubb over 1,500 yards. Let's see if any more little bets come up then, fellas, as we get into the last section that we're going to have a little prediction of. And we'll turn our attention to the wide receivers. Um, And I want to know who you think will lead the league from a yardage perspective. I was going to go touchdowns on this, but obviously that's so um, situational based and sometimes guys can put up absolute monster seasons in terms of yardage and only end up with a couple of trips to the end zone itself. So let's look from a yardage perspective. And Lawrence, as we've done throughout, let's come to you to start us off. I have a sneaky feeling that probably Tim's going to agree with this one as well if if we're kind of vibing together tonight. Um, and I've got Kenny Golliday. So Kenny Golliday, 1,190 yards receiving on a pretty abysmal Lions team where he spent half the season catching passes from David Blau and Jeff Driscoll. And he still manages to have 1,190 yards and leads the NFL in touchdowns. Yes, it is situational. And yes, 11 touchdowns is by no means something that you're going to remember in years to come as leading the NFL in receiving touchdowns. But Kenny Golladay, I think, is an absolute beauty. And wherever I have been able to draft him, I've made sure I'm drafting him. I think he is an absolute beast. And I'm very much looking forward to watching a bit of Lions football. And I'm looking forward to him kicking off again on Thanksgiving and having a, having a monster Thanksgiving as well. So even though the Lions might not win, Golladay is going to have a, have a massive game, I'm sure. Yeah, I wrote an article this week actually looking at uh, potential worst-to-first candidates and as I went through it, I found myself more and more being drawn towards the Lions and I actually picked that as my team that you know potentially has got the best chance to go from worst-to-first in the division. I think they have got a ton of talent and I do think Matt Stafford is the big difference maker. As you say, you know, Golladay put up great numbers last year without his you know, QB1 for most of the year. Um, you know, so absolutely a full season of Matt Stafford to Kenny Golladay. He could easily be up there in terms of yardage come season end. Uh, we'll wait and see if Tim has got the same selection. He's nodding away, so there's every chance that he has. So, Alex, let's come to you, mate, and uh, let's see who you've got. Um, I've gone definitely outside outside the box on this one. I've actually gone Michael Gallup. Um, I think uh, they've made it clear that Kellen Moore is going to have a lot of the say on what goes on. He loved passing it last year, and I can't imagine that's going to change. Um, especially now they've got even more weapons to, uh, to tear defences apart. So I think that's going to continue. Amai Cooper, people know how dangerous he is. Um, they know how good the route running is. Um, and I think he's going to get a lot of coverage swinging his way, just like it was last year. And Michael Gallup, in, in camp, they've been connecting on some really nice deep balls. Really nice deep balls. It seems like Dak has got a little bit more control over some of those deep passes, which is what he's been criticised for before. Um, and I, I do think that Mike Gallup is going to get some uh, some nice chances, like Golladay did when uh, when the Detroit Lions room was a little bit more packed in the receiver section. He got a lot of those. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown at the Steelers as well, that sort of thing. Um, and I think he's going to have a really monster year, actually. Bah! Bah! <laughs> Forgot to mention that Alex was also a Cowboys fan earlier, didn't we? Um, I've, I've waited this long to mention them, so I thought I could slip in right at the end. I thought I'd get in while no one noticed. Uh, my, my little sheep impression was not forgetting, don't sleep on CD Lamb. 
No, oh. listen, mate, listen, mate. Absolutely, yeah. The, the, we all know that that offense has got tons of weapons now. Look, yeah. Let, let's let's not kid anybody. Would it be a surprise to see Michael Gallup lead the league? I think yes, it will be a surprise. Is it the going to be the world's biggest surprise if it happens? I think you can make a logical case for it. You know, um, I, you know, certainly there's going to be plenty of um, targets to go around. I think Dallas want to probably. Sort of, you know, I think Tim described it as show off their shiny new toys. They probably want all three of the guys to get over a thousand yards receiving, if at all possible. Um, and obviously, Dak will be playing for a contract again this year. Um, you know, so there's every chance that the ball will be in the air quite a lot this year. Um, you know, so it wouldn't be the world's biggest surprise. Although, you know, I certainly think if you put 50p on it, Alex, you're going to get more than eight pound fifty back, mate. So get yourself down the bookies and uh, polish up one of those 50p's, mate. It could be a sound investment for you. I think I'll give it a go. <laughs> Tim, let's come to you then, mate. Do we have Kenny Golladay or have you and Lawrence actually, you know, not shared notes on this one? Um, yes, we have. Uh, obviously, Lawrence doesn't want any sandwich bets this year. So, um, yeah, I've, I've gone Kenny Golladay. He's, um, he was 20 to 1 with the, with the bookies when uh, when I last looked. Um, yeah, just out, just out of interest. Uh, I think Michael Gallup was was well into the uh, triple figures. So, uh, yeah, you'll get... Uh, get quite a lot back for that one Alex but uh, yeah interesting that you like, you like Gallup I think maybe next year uh, or maybe even if Murray Cooper goes down for a couple of games I think Gallup uh, is not a bad not a bad outside shot he's a, he's a monster of a receiver he's um, he's going to burst into a few into a few headlines this season I think but yeah no back to me yeah Kenny Golladay um, pretty much for the reasons um, Lauren said he, he's just a monster you know a sign of a, a quality quality elite wide receiver is people that get it done with poor quarterbacks you look at DeAndre Hopkins who's done it with Brock Osweiler and, and God knows there's no names behind that of that offensive line there in uh, in Houston DeAndre Hopkins was still putting up a thousand yards and, and Kenny Golladay uh, with with hopefully Matthew Stafford for 16 games has to be has to be in with a shout um the other one I went for was Devontae Adams at 14s <clears throat> in terms of betting, if you if anyone's that way inclined. I think, again, with uh, no Devin Funchess and, and not a lot else behind Aaron Rodgers, um, uh, sorry, but not a lot behind him, Aaron Rodgers hasn't really got many other people to, to throw to. Um, defense <clears throat> is, 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 a de- is a decent defense, but I think they'll have to uh, throw the ball a fair, a fair amount this season. Um, and I think obviously it's only going to go to Devante Adams. They've got the chemistry. They, they, the route runner Devante Adams is just so silky smooth. It's beautiful, beautiful to watch. And if anyone's out there has, has got game pass, you can you can watch uh, how Devante Adams. I think it's like, is it the film room or something? There's a there's a Devante Adams one of that. So it's quite interesting to see how he goes about his his route running and and when he faces up against the corners. But he's again he's just a top tier uh, wide receiver. And yeah. And, I was quite surprised, Lawrence. Actually, you didn't go. You didn't go, Michael Thomas or Julio, because I was quite willing to say go two against the field there. But um, yeah, for me, Kenny Galladay uh, was it was a was a one that stood out for me. And uh, I did I did also write down uh, Terry McLaurin, um, but I don't think there's going to be enough yardage there to support um, to, su- to support someone like him go, going for for the leader. So um, yeah, there's, there's not enough consistency at quarterback. No, there's no. there's no no no. No Washington quarterback's going to be playing 16 games, no. so you're going to have to get used to different different passing styles. It's just not going to happen. No. Bless him if he gets a thousand yard season, but in terms of topping any charts, just can't see oh, it. No, no, and as I say, what I, what I tend to look for in in this market or this kind of the leaderboard is I look at the teams that have like a really strong one uh, wide receiver one um, and. A, a good chemistry with their with their quarterback. So, let's say with with Kenny G um, and Devontae Adams, they've got good rapport with their quarterbacks. And um, 
Yeah, no, I just thought McLaurin, McLaurin will be up there and surprise a few, but I think the ceiling, there's a ceiling for him, which is what you don't want when you're, when you're looking at this type of market. Yeah, well, you, you just mentioned it there, mate, about Julio, so I'm going to be setting myself up for the second sandwich bet of the podcast because I am going with Julio Jones, um, Mr. Consistent. Uh, he has, you know, he's not been under, what, 1,400? Well, he was he was six yards shy of 1,400. We'll, we'll call it 1,400 for the sake of this. <laughs> he hasn't been under 1,400 yards since 2014. Um, for me, probably the best wide receiver all around in the game currently. I mean, again, he's another one sort of towards the back end of his illustrious career now. Um, but obviously, in terms of the Falcons' offense, you mentioned earlier, Tim um, Todd Gurley. Uh, you know, obviously, it'll be interesting to see if he can sort of rekindle the magic of a few years ago. That will add a different dimension to the offense. There's obviously a lot of expectation on Hayden Hurst coming in to replace Austin Hooper. Lots of hype surrounding Calvin Ridley. Um, so there's plenty of weapons here, and obviously Matt Ryan, we know, likes to air the ball out. He's got this weird um, consistency in his career of having, you know, real stellar seasons in the even-numbered years, uh, and we are in a even-numbered year. So maybe that is a sign of things to come. I think Julio, um, in terms of yardage, um, you know, will absolutely be up there come the end of the campaign. Um, you know, so you know, certainly from a, a consistency point of view, uh, he and Michael Thomas, you know, probably the two most consistent wide receivers week in and week out. But I was thinking in terms of yardage, I think Julio throughout his career has just had a few more explosive plays. You know, Michael Thomas does a lot of his work, obviously closer to the line of scrimmage. That's not a criticism of him at all before anybody tells me that it is. Uh, that is just the reality of the situation. So Julio Jones mm. for me. So do you, want to, do you want to go sandwich bet then? Uh, I'll go Kenny Golladay, you have, you have uh, Helio? Yeah, well, yards. why not, mate? Why not? I'll, that's two sandwiches on the line. I'll take that, mate. No problem at all. Me versus you this year. Lawrence can have a year off. Um, I'll tell you what, if I win them both, Lawrence, I'll give you one of my sandwiches. How generous of me. There you go. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Some Midlands love there. Absolutely. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what then. No, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what. Let, let Lawrence have Kenny Golladay. You have Helio James and I'll have Devante Adams. Fair enough. No problem. Deal. That's deal. A deal. That's a deal. If you want to see any more of our staff predictions, obviously get yourself a copy of our season guide for 2020. We have a whole heap of predictions in there around all of the divisional winners, league MVP, passing leaders, rookies, who might get the first pick in the 2021 draft as well. Go check that out. Um, you know they're all in there for your amusement i will say um you know because i'm sure you'll tell us that we've got it wrong so who do you think should lead the league in sacks in rushing and in receiving yardage let us know on the twitter at full 10 yards we may well retweet or read some of those out on a future podcast right then fellas we are in week one um we're not going to do a huge preview of the games we'll be doing that this year in written article form for your pleasure You'll get an article every week on a Thursday detailing the vast majority of the slate and then we will go a little bit more in-depth for the big TV games of the weekend, hopefully landing with you on a Friday morning. Um, so we won't go into great deals of depth, fellas, but as it's week one and we're all excited, it's only fair that I ask you all, what are you looking forward to in week one? So Alex, let's start with you, mate. What are you looking forward to week one of the NFL season 2020? Uh, so I'm going to keep it in the division, NFC East. I'm going Terry McLaurin versus Darius Slay. 
Um, very excited to see how see how that unfolds. Um, when they played each other last year, when Slay was still at the Lions, he said that apart from Keenan Allen, Tony McLaurin was the hardest person he had to defend all year. And if you think about some of the names that he had up there, up there in the NFC North, uh, some of them we just mentioned, uh, Devontae Adams, um, that's quite a big compliment. Um, so that could be quite an interesting thing. Obviously, we discussed the quarterback situation. Is he going to, in that game against the Lions, he had, I think it was two touchdowns overthrown by Haskins. So um, I think two, yeah. So, um, so who knows? Could go either way of that, but I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch because that is what Darius Slay was built in to stop those uh, big wide receivers in the NFC East. No, good shout, mate. Um, probably a bit of an under-the-radar selection. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think you know, that uh, is going to be an intriguing match-up. Uh, and, and as you alluded to there, it's obviously something that uh, we'll get to witness on a, um, you know, a sort of regular occurrence. Tim, what are you looking forward to, buddy? So for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the new stadiums in action, uh, Vegas and um, Sophie Stadium in, in California. Um, I know they'll, they'll make a big deal of it, on, especially on Sunday Night Football. They'll go all around the ground and uh, obviously there'll be no fans in it, so we'll get a bloody good look at, uh, <laughs> at what SoFi Stadium is, is all about. But um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll look, obviously look beautiful from the outside. They're probably going to be great, especially when there's fans in them at some point on, on the inside. But it's always nice to see new stadiums. Obviously, there'll be some people disheartened that uh, Oakland have now moved to Las Vegas, but... Um, Certainly, there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of excitement when new stadiums come to the fore because, you know, it kind of like quarterback contracts or contracts at certain positions. Everyone likes to beat the, 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 the previous best, don't they? So it'd be interesting to see, obviously, the big attraction to the to the uh, the Los Angeles ones is the big circular uh, TV, which looks uh, quite daunting. Um, just, I don't know, it just looks like some, a contraption out of, like, sword, doesn't it? Um, but <laughs> not that I want to compare a stadium to a, to a horror movie, but um, hopefully it'll be a horror for the LA Rams on Sunday Night Football. But um, yeah, the other the other thing with that with Sunday night football, I'm just looking forward to um, to being tired again on a Monday morning, staying up on a Sunday night late at half twelve. If you're staying up for the late game, obviously four five, five o'clock in the morning, and um, being extremely tired on a Monday morning. Absolutely, mate. That's what we look forward to for the next seventeen weeks, indeed. Lawrence, what are you looking forward to, mate? A number of little Washington football team things, I think. First of all, not having Bruce Allen as the general manager, a full season of that is going to be an absolute pleasure. We've got the unleashing of the predator. So we've got Chase Young. And there are people talking about him. We talk about kind of sack leaders and stuff. There are people talking about him becoming, you know, already breaking the rookie sack record. So I'm not, I'm not that optimistic about anything the Washington team does, but that's going to be fun watching Chase Young chasing after NFC East quarterbacks especially. And I know Alex went under the radar. I'm going to go underground in terms of a player that I'm looking forward to watching. And that is the Washington cornerback, Jimmy Moreland. It's, um, it's his second season. He's just swapped his number with Landon Collins. He's going to be wearing number 20. In college, in little James Madison College, he had 18 interceptions during his, um, his tenure at James Madison. And six of those, he returned four touchdowns. So a 33% touchdown rate on his interceptions. So people won't have heard of him before this season, but look out for him. And the, the only one other thing that I'm absolutely looking forward to is I was addicted to a, an app. Um, it was called Tops Huddle. And I had to swap in cards every single play for the entire season. 
And that included staying up on Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, swapping cards on every playoffs. I was playing the game during the Super Bowl. So I'm just looking forward. They lost the license. So Tops lost the digital NFL license to Panini. And the Panini app's not as good. So I'm just looking forward to relaxing and actually watching football, <laughs> taking, taking notes in my own time. And, and then being able to produce articles without this immense pressure of trying to creep up these tops huddle leaderboards. So it's going to be, it's going to be a very, very different experience for me, a, a much more pleasurable one. So just, Oh, sorry, Sean, just quickly. I uh, just, I love that Lawrence has brought up uh, Jimmy Morland. He's actually someone that, that I had a look at just before the draft. He came out last year um, and, and did an article on him. And honestly, Lawrence uh, can't do enough to build up the, the tape that he put on at James Madison University. Some of the smoothest, some of the smoothest footed, uh, stuff I've ever seen. Uh, his back pedal, exceptional. In a nickel, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, really, really good one to look out for because even though his seventh rounder could easily end up being someone that's uh, on that team for a long time. No, good shout, mate. And, you know, absolutely, it's not all about the superstars. It's often the uh, the unheralded guys at the back end of the rosters that can be the real difference makers and, and become the heroes throughout the season, isn't it? So certainly a name to watch there. Uh, what am I looking forward to? Just about bloody everything, I think, fellas. Just about everything. It's been quite possibly the crappiest year of everybody's life, hasn't it? Let's be honest. It's been awful. And the fact that we can get, hopefully, fingers crossed, 17 weeks of a sport that we all love, win, lose or draw. And I'm certainly, you know, I'm used to plenty of losing and I can still say I love this game. Um, you know, if we can get 17 weeks of this and we can talk ball on a Monday night and produce articles and have, have a bit of fun, have some sandwich bets and, you know, get back to feeling a little bit like normal, then I am absolutely all for it. Um, in terms of week one specifically, I've got to get a dig in, Lawrence. I'm looking forward to Lamar Jackson crying at the end of week one when he realises he still can't throw the football effectively and he's on the wrong end of an opening day defeat to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Is that uh, before or after he's had 200 rushing yards in the game? Well, you know. As long as he's rushing backwards, I don't mind, mate. He's obviously running away from Miles Garrett at the time, isn't he? So, nah, look, all joking aside. He's sensible. <laughs> yeah, all, all joking aside, obviously a huge task for the Browns week one. But like I said, win, lose or draw, I honestly will not care. It's great to have the NFL back. Great to be back with you boys behind the microphones. And obviously great that we can get in the swing of things as we now get into regular season mode here at the full 10 yards. With that being said chance for us to plug our NFL Pick'em competition for the season. Please get yourselves involved. We have said that if we get over 100 people enter our free, and I repeat, free competition to enter, if we get over 100 people entering, we will give away a jersey of the winner's choice at the end of the season. All you simply have to do is log on each week and make your selections for the games. Tell us how wrong we are. We'll be playing along with you. And let's see who comes out on top at the end of the season. And as a bumper bonus prize, week to week, if you can manage to get a 100% record in any given game week, we will be giving away full 10 yards merchandise 
on a weekly basis as well. So it's never too late to join, even if we're halfway through the season and you haven't started playing, you know, you can get involved week to week. There will be stuff to play for. So well worth getting involved in. Please share it with your friends. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of you that are listening to this and probably do pick'ems each week. Why not do one where you could win some goodies at the back end of it? Obviously, a final chance for us to plug the full 10-yard season guide ahead of the kickoff, available now in PDF format as well as on Amazon in a hard copy format. Tim, I believe we've got a couple of discount codes. If people check out the Twitter page and all of those type of good things, people can get some money off as well as we approach the big kickoff. Once again, massive thank you to everybody that has brought a copy of that up to this point. All the money going back into the game. That's what we're all about here at F10Y HQ. We want to make sure that this game continues to grow in this country at the rate that it has done. And if anything, accelerate that growth so we can keep providing you with excellent coverage of the game that we all love. Plenty of stuff going on on the website. You'll start seeing all the regular preview stuff. The fantasy boys will be into overdrive as we get into week one. So keep your eyes peeled, as we always like to say. I think that just about wraps it up in terms of a plug for the site. Um, You know, massively appreciate all the support that we've had up to this point. And obviously, if you're listening for the first time, welcome aboard. Get your friends involved. The more people we've got listening to us, the better. You know, we look forward to bringing you some good stuff throughout the course of the season. Right, boys, let's get out of here. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. So, Tim, thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, mate. Here's to the next 21. Absolutely, mate. Bring it on. Alex, pleasure for you to join us as a, a guest this evening, mate. We obviously may well be hearing your voice throughout the off-season, but really appreciated your company tonight. No worries. Loved it. Glad to be here. Uh, look forward to be back up, being back on. Absolutely, mate. Pleasure to have you. And Lawrence, as always, my friend, been a pleasure. It certainly has. And I can't wait for Thursday night football. I don't care if I get zero hours sleep. It's going to be an absolute blast. Certainly is, mate. Big game to kick us off, of course. Chiefs and Texans kick it all off on Thursday night. Repeat of the AFC divisional round from last season. Two of the game's hottest young quarterbacks going toe-to-toe. Uh, I've got the Chiefs to win that one. You'll read all about that in my upcoming article. So I'll leave you on that teaser. And let's end the podcast, boys, as we usually do, as we say in the great words of Kevin Cadle. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.